Support for this NPR podcast and the following message come from Easy Cater, committed to helping companies solve food. From employee meal plans to on-site staffing to concierge ordering support. With corporate accounts, nationwide restaurant coverage, and payment by invoice. EasyCater.com. You're listening to Shortwave from NPR. Maddie Safaya here with NPR Global Health and International Development Correspondent Nareet Eisenman. Hi, Nareet. Hi, Maddie. So you were in Uganda recently reporting on a story about how healthcare workers treat patients in extreme physical pain. Right. They've turned to a creative solution, a drug that might surprise some people in the U.S. Yeah. So in the U.S., drug makers have flooded the country with these powerful, sophisticated opioids that are at the center of the opioid epidemic. That's the U.S. opioid crisis. Right. But in Uganda, and in fact in a lot of African countries, for years they've been dealing with their own opioid crisis, which is the opposite issue. Patients there don't have enough access to major painkillers. Why is that? It's a combination of governments not spending on it, not making it a priority, which when it comes to an internationally controlled narcotic substance, there's a lot of red tape. Mm-hmm. So there's not many options beyond simple painkillers like ibuprofen, acetaminophen, what a lot of us know as Tylenol. That's not usually enough for people in extreme pain, like from cancer. It can feel so, so, so horrible. You just, sometimes you can even just end up crying and you're like, God, please get me through this. Please get me through this. Justine Nakaenga has breast cancer that's mm. metastasized. I met her at a hospice center in Kampala. A tumor had reached her spinal cord. Justine's 30 years old, but she's lost so much weight, she looks like she could be 12. That's, that's rough. Yeah, really awful pain. But then a nurse gave Justine a dose of Uganda's go-to solution, drinkable liquid morphine. She says the pain was gone in a matter of hours. I went and laid down. Oh, my God. The sleep came, and I just drifted away till morning. I'm like, wow, I actually slept till morning. Okay, so liquid morphine. That's, I mean, that's an opioid that can be addictive, right? Yes, but in Uganda, health officials say they've figured out a system for how to use it effectively, cheaply, and safely to treat pain. So today on Shortwave, Managing Pain in Uganda... We'll hear about this simple solution that they've come up with, drinkable liquid morphine. It's been life-changing for patients in terrible pain. And not just in Uganda. It's a model that a lot of countries throughout Africa are looking to as a way to bring pain relief. This message comes from NPR sponsor Samsung Galaxy. Break down language barriers with Live Translate on the all-new Galaxy S24 Ultra. Powered by Galaxy AI, Live Translate gives you real-time translations on calls so you can speak freely with someone in another language. Translate calls just like that with Live Translate on the new Galaxy S24 Ultra. Samsung account login required. Must make calls using Samsung phone app. Live Translate must be enabled and languages preset. This message comes from NPR sponsor, RSM. Change waits for no one. 
But when it happens, and it always does, be prepared to take charge with RSM's proven advisors who make it their business to fully understand yours. RSM brings human insights powered by technology so you can leverage the knowledge of future-focused minds who look beyond the ordinary. RSM, experience the power of being understood. Take charge now at rsmus.com Spotify. Okay, Nareet, we're talking about how Uganda uses drinkable liquid morphine to treat serious pain. Where do we start? I wanted to see how this whole model works. So I went along with a Ugandan nurse, Josephine Nabitaka, around Kampala. She's with a nonprofit called Hospice Africa. And Josephine's delivering liquid morphine to patients who are too sick to come into the clinic. So this is the whole... The first stop is at the house of an 81-year-old woman with advanced colorectal cancer. She's curled up in bed, a mosquito net hanging over her. And Josephine checks in with the caregivers there to make sure the morphine's helping with her pain. Now, I wanted to know when she takes the morphine. Does the pain reduce? Is she sleeping? And is she able to sleep at night? Is she eating? And then, after looking at a card where doses are logged, she gives them a couple more bottles of morphine. It's filled with this green-colored liquid. Every four hours. Then at night, they give a double dose. So we're talking, like, bottles of liquid morphine. Right. The size of an ordinary water bottle. It's powdered morphine mixed with water at a government-funded facility. And it's a two-week supply for patients to drink. Okay. Drinkable liquid morphine. Not the type of painkiller we widely prescribe here in the U.S. for extreme pain. Right. Here in the U.S., we use morphine and painkillers related to it. But those tend to be amped up formulations that are many times as powerful. Or they've got fancy delivery systems Mm -hmm. like patches time-release capsules, pumps that give you the right dose with a push of a button. Oh, like when you're in the hospital and you push that little red button to ask it for more morphine or whatever? Exactly. But advocates in Uganda say in almost all cases, they don't need that. Morphine is fine. And this low-tech drinkable formula is very doable. Here's how Dr. Anne Merriman, who actually helped set up Uganda's liquid morphine system back in the late 1990s, describes this solution. You know, they say it's easier to make than a cup of coffee, and you can make it at the kitchen sink. And we did for 17 years. Yeah, in the early days, they were using a kitchen sink, observing basic protocols, but still pretty simple to make. So if it's that easy to make, it must keep the cost of liquid morphine down. Exactly. This treatment is cheap, like two dollars and fifty cents for a one-week supply but for our cancer patient and anyone else who gets it in uganda absolutely no cost because for some years now uganda has been providing the liquid morphine for free oh wow yeah in a country where more than 40 percent of the population lives on less than two dollars a day that's huge so this all sounds good but like we said opioids it's a huge issue in the united states my reaction immediately is like oh this is addictive Has this led to any problems like that in Uganda? Yeah. From a chemical standpoint, morphine has potential for addiction. Uh, So I put this question to Anne, and she says this setup that they're using for giving out the drinkable morphine, remember they give it to patients in a very controlled way, Mm -hmm. isn't likely to foster misuse. It's so dilute. It's so dilute. It's not going to give you a high. They have to take an awful lot to get any form of a high. Mm. So that's her theory. But whatever the reason, after all these years, it does not seem to be producing an addiction problem in Uganda. So Anne Merriman was the driving force behind all this? 
Yeah, she was the founder of Hospice Africa, and she proposed this idea of using this drinkable morphine to treat pain in Uganda. And then what really made the difference was that it was embraced by some key Ugandan officials. They ran with it. The head of surgical training at the premier medical school started training surgeons on prescribing liquid morphine. And then the country passed a law allowing nurses to prescribe the mixture. I'm sure that helped make a difference. Yeah, it was huge because there are way more nurses than doctors there. So now around 11 percent of patients who need liquid morphine in Uganda are getting it. But it's been stuck at that level, and that's still pretty low. Right. So what's the challenge? Why is it stuck there? Liquid morphine might be relatively inexpensive to make, but... Funding is a major issue. Mm. Even where you have access to oral liquid morphine, you need personnel who will be able to go to the home of the patient. Dr. Emmanuel Luirica heads the African Palliative Care Association, a nonprofit that promotes this model. Emmanuel says Uganda spends very little of its national budget on health care. So there's not enough money being spent to train and then deploy nurses to prescribe the liquid morphine. And he says also compared to health programs that save lives, efforts to reduce patients' pain are just a much lower priority for African governments and also for international donors, which is maddening for Emmanuel because of how cheap pain management through liquid morphine is. We don't need a lot of money. It's not billions of dollars that we need. We need a little money to make sure that all the patients who need to access the oral liquid morphine get them as part of an as as an integral part of the health system. He's like, this is an effective way to spend the money if we had it. Yeah. And this lack of funding is also why other African countries have been slow to get liquid morphine to their patients, even though they've shown a lot of interest in replicating Uganda's model. And there's been a stream of visitors from more than a dozen African countries who've come to Uganda to learn how Uganda's system works and bring that information back. In fact, when I was in Kampala on the home visit with Josephine, there was actually a doctor from Malawi who was shadowing her. So Malawi's trying to copy Uganda's liquid morphine system. Yeah, Malawi is one of several countries that have taken inspiration. They've now legalized the importation of liquid morphine, too. And Botswana, Rwanda, and Swaziland have gone even further. They've taken up Uganda's idea of covering the cost for patients. But again, when it comes to the actual getting of the morphine to patients, that's been progressing at a glacial pace. So you've got this very promising model for helping a lot of countries interested in it. And yet the vast majority of patients who need it are yet to be helped by it. Right. And um, I want to leave you with this moment that just crystallized it. It was mm-hmm. so poignant. You know, I'm, I'm watching this, um, the head chemist of the government-funded facility where Uganda's liquid morphine solution is made. Uh-huh. His name is Chris Natege, and he's scooping the morphine powder from a bag onto a scale. Every time I, I weigh out the powder, I'm, I'm imagining that patient in the village uh, who could be in pain, and you have here a powder that can take away all that pain. And like, even after the bag is empty, he just keeps scraping. I don't want to leave even a small gram inside there because I know it's, it will be helpful to every patient out there in pain. He says, you know, until Uganda starts producing enough, every wasted gram means a patient who's going to be left in pain. Mm. Global Health and International Development Correspondent, Nareet Eisenman. Thank you, Nareet. Glad to do it.
Today's episode was produced by Rebecca Ramirez and edited by Viet Le. I'm Maddie Safaya, and this is Shortwave from NPR. We'll see you tomorrow. Pop Culture Happy Hour from NPR is with you four days a week to talk about what we're watching, listening to, or just trying to figure out. What you might check out this weekend, what you checked out last weekend, it's all fair game for good conversation. For pop culture and high spirits, listen now to the Pop Culture Happy Hour podcast from NPR. Do you want in on a secret? Like why your favorite pop star is so popular? Or why a makeup fad is suddenly sweeping your feed? It's that none of these things happen by accident. On the It's Been a Minute podcast, I don't just tell you what's trending. I dig deeper to find out why. Join me, Brittany Luce, on It's Been a Minute from NPR. The news affects your life, but your life isn't the news. That's why our podcast, Here and Now, Anytime, gives you a new perspective on the big stories of the day, but also stories about video games, stories about romance novels, and stories about music. Here and Now, Anytime, a podcast from NPR and WBUR that's into the things you're into, not just the news.